Episode 4, Worms in His Earth, Part 2 Hi, this is Dragnacarta, DM for Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. You're listening to the Twice Bitten Podcast, a campaign where five Curse of Strahd DMs head back into the mists for a hauntingly familiar adventure. Starring Jack as Metreon, Kaya as Lillison, Linus as Amity, Serena as Kiva, and Twy as Erthrandir. You can catch the horror live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rcurseofstrahd, or watch new episodes every Monday on YouTube at youtube.com slash c slash rcurseofstrahd. You can also listen to new episodes of this podcast weekly at anchor.fm slash twice-bitten, or wherever you like to syndicate your podcasts. Now, let's get right to Ravenloft. So, without much further ado, let's get back to Twice Bitten, and where were we? I think you were screaming. Yeah, yeah, I was screaming. Pretty loudly. All right, with that, if everyone wouldn't mind rolling initiative, please. Do I have to? Yes. I'd rather not. If, if, if we do mind, can we skip this? Uh, no, but I taunt you and laugh at you. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, come on! <laughs> All right, I also need uh, Lillison to roll. It looks like we've got, uh, if everyone could just say what they rolled. I rolled a 24. I rolled a seven. Three. Eight. And Erthrandir, please, if you would uh, add yourself to the tracker. 17. All right. Very good. As we come together and as we return to the scene of this very unfun situation, Kiva, you've suddenly watched us all around you, these terrifying ghoulish figures begin clawing their way out of the dirt, long gnarled claws streaking toward you. You can see old bloodstains now around their gray black mouths as if dripping down. Their razor sharp teeth and fangs bared forth. The stench is horrible. And as they clamber toward you reaching as they burst through the earth, one clasping around your ankle, your heart pounds in your chest and you were the first to act. What would you like to do? So she has been hanging on a thread, my poor girl. So immediately this is just gonna fucking cause her to snap. She is going to rage right away. And she is going to swing with her scimitar at this ghoul to the right of her. And she's going to recklessly attack because she is freaking the fuck out right now. All right, this is the one ahead of her to the left. It's my right, but it might be to her left. All right, go for it. So that is a 23. Yeah, that's a 23 to hit. All right, that hits. And we'll use the damage rolled with the hitting one. Okay, great. So that is a five points of damage. All right, very good. Turning around, you slash blindly raging with your scimitar as the black blood streaks down from your scars upon your face, attacking recklessly and slicing at its side. You do, in fact, deal uh, five points of damage to it. Oh, that's lovely. Okay, and that's Oh, yeah. Are you adding rage damage? I think so. Maybe not. Uh, Rage is plus two, so no, then that's seven. All right, a full seven points of damage. It pauses for a moment as it's scrambling out of the ground, not fully unearthed yet, snarling and gnashing its teeth toward you as it impotently tries to slice back toward you. You have a half moment. What else would you like to do? She's going to take a step 
towards this way, um, to the left, trying to get towards the staircase and away from the ghouls. All right, both of the ghouls around you will slash out with their claws, taking attacks of opportunity. Okay, that's fine. That's with advantage. So the first one is an eight. Oh, that misses, thank God. Second one is a 19. That just hits. All right, that deals seven points of slashing damage. Is that reduced to half because I'm raging, or is that the full thing? Uh, it is, yes. I believe that's rounded down, so you take three points of damage. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Also, sorry, quick question. Does rage damage apply only to strength attacks, or are you attacking with dexterity or strength? I was attacking with strength, but I don't know. Oh, God. Gotcha. We'll keep it there for now, and uh, we'll take your turn. All right, next up, the ghouls have their turn. As they finish scrabbling free, you watch as the two of them, now fully unearthed, one of them less wounded than the other, manages to move slightly faster scrambling in front of its partner as the other one gnashes its teeth, howling behind it. The other's pushing, snarling, and struggling to get toward you. The one directly behind you in the hallway, launching itself toward you and almost a bear hug from behind, its claws attempting to rake across your shoulders and chest. That's going to be attacking with advantage because of your reckless. <laughs> that is an 18 to hit. That is my armor class. All right, that will hit, dealing seven points of slashing damage reduced to three. <laughs> okay. All right, that is the end of the ghouls' turns. Erthrandir, you hear the sound of snarling, guttural growls and tearing flesh coming from the corridor as you hear Kiva shout in pain. What are you doing? He looks at the hallway and looks like he's about to be sick, but then shakes it off, motions for the others to come help, and then peels around the corner. Seeing the amount of ghouls, he is going to... Yeah, he'll step up here. And he has an idea. He is going to close his eyes, concentrate, and slowly and methodically begin to sing. It's not a traditional song. It's almost like he's describing something, speaking it into existence. And with that, he's going to cast Silent Image and create the illusion of two porticli, porticli, porticluses, sprouting from the ceiling, one in the hallway where Kiva is and one in the hallway where he is, and cutting off the ghouls from the rest of them and cutting them off, the two of them off from the ghouls. All right, you watch as the two portcullises begin to waft around you, almost like mist forming on the floor, but then solidifies, and you watch as the two portcullises slam down from the ceiling up above, locking into place on the floor. You don't hear anything, but you notice that they silently move into place, obstructing the path. Kiva, you see one slam into place behind you, though oddly it produces no noise. Hey, it's not real. I, you don't test it. Don't, you can like jab through the bars if you want to, but don't do anything that makes them doubt it. All right. All right. And with, all right. Uh... Be careful. And the words leave your lips. And as you watch, turning back, one of the ghouls slowly turns toward you and you watch a terrible, stupid, but understanding smile creep across its face. And you get a sense that it understood every word you just said. Oh, fuck this. They're smart. And he is going to pass a die of bardic inspiration to Kiva. And that's his turn. All right, very good. Uh, with that, as Erythrindir ducks back a little, and you hear the commotion coming forth from the corridor, the stampeding of feet. Lillison, you okay. are up. Uh, what would you like to do? All right, Lillison is going to squeeze her way over here to see if she can see what's going on. And as she rounds the corner and uh, takes in the sight, something seems to spark in her eyes. She says, get 
behind me. And then she is going to thrust her hand forward. And another giant gout of acid is going to splash forth around the corner. It does have half cover here, so it will get plus two on its... This is a dexterity saving throw, I believe, yep. right? All right. That is a nine plus two, which is an 11, which I believe uh, fails, correct? It fails. Uh, that's five points of acid damage. Sure. It takes the full five. The reddish acid splatters down its front and coats it beginning to run down. It snarls and turns back toward you. Its nostrils, which are sunken into its face, almost as though the nose has been severed, leaving only a snake-like set of holes where its nose should be, flare toward you. A guttural snarl building in its throat. You get the sense that you didn't do much more than annoy it. Okay. Lillison is also going to look back at the two tieflings and say, uh, it's about to get a bit crowded here. Uh, let me know if you want to come to the front lines or find some other way around. If, if there's some way that I can see Kiva to cast a spell on her, that'd be good, but I don't know. I can get the hell out of the way. I fucked up majorly. All right, and on that note, it is Metreon's turn. Metreon would actually, noticing that the light is still with Aerithrandir and therefore is leaving the cavern, is going to go ahead and actually move... But then hearing the guttural sounds, he's going to use his action to hide under the table. All right, make a stealth check for me. Uh, that's a 16. All right, and if you'd like to move yourself under the table as you dive beneath it. Done. All right. With that, Amity, Metreon slides below the bench below you, cowering into the darkness below the table as the bones around him rustle and creak. Down in the corridor below you, hear Lillison and Erethrandir speaking loudly as Kiva flees the ghouls. What would you like to do? Amity's going to start by kicking Metreon under the table. Not like a dealing damage action kind of thing. Just being like, come on, we, we don't just let everyone die. Then she's going to pounce forward. So I can move into a creature's space temporarily, right? You can, but you can only move through it. You cannot cast a spell or make an attack from that vantage point. Right now the corridor is too clogged for you to do anything of note. Well, I can see Kiva, and so I'm going to cast spell heroism, rapidly flipping through my book for the tale of the woodcutter and say, Kiva, you got this. I, I know you said it would be okay if, if you died, but I, I want it to be no one, okay? And so Kiva, at the start of each of your turns, you are going to gain three temporary hit points. Hopefully that's enough, but unable to do anything from my present vantage point, I'm going to back up and say, and even dear, I believe that even with that magic thing earlier, I think you still have a best interest at heart, okay? We're going to get through this together, and I'm going to give you a die of bardic inspiration. Oh. Hey! Hey, it's official! Okay. Hey! All right. Hey. All right. There she is. And that's my turn. There's a All right. Girl. As you cast the spell of heroism, you watch Kiva as a slight blue nimbus begins to glow up around you, a faint ethereal aura that shimmers at your fingertips. As you watch from the soil below you, three bluish-white orbs drift up from the earth and soil, puffing and expanding and dispersing into thin clouds of silvery-white mist that form the faces of, well, faces in their interior. You cannot make out their features, but one appears to be a man, another a woman, another of indistinguishable features. They weave around you, their voices surprisingly soft and warm as they speak, echoing in the tunnels of the corridor. One whispers, hush, my dear, you are brave. The other murmurs, don't give him an inch. Keep sharp. 
And with that, you watch as each of them surrounds you, whirling into a faint nimbus and vanishing into the aura that surrounds your torso and your shoulders. You can hear their comforting words invigorating and encouraging you. All right, and with that, that is the end of Amity's turn. Kiefer up once again. You can see an illusory portcullis in front of you that doesn't look too secure. And you can see the tunnel getting more clogged and clustered by the second. The ghouls try to shove frantically, slobbering, trying to push over each other's shoulders as the one on the front obstructs the path forward, desperately trying to get its hands on whatever prey it can grasp. What would you like to do? All right, so the heroism is making her calm down a little bit. But she's still raging, so she is going to take a swing at the first ghoul in, directly in front of her. Not going to do reckless this time, just going to swing. All right, go for it. So that is a 16. A 16 will certainly hit. Uh, how oh, much lovely. So that does eight points of slashing damage. All right, beautiful. Slicing across it, you carve across its flesh and it snarls, pulling back. You watch as this thick, yellowish-white bile drips from its chest. It seems fairly unhappy. Is that your turn? Uh, yes. All right, with that, the ghoul hissing and snarling is going to pause for a moment and then lurch toward you, swiping at you with its claws as it makes a normal attack. That is a 22 to hit. <laughs> yeah, that hits naturally. Uh, dealing 10 points of slashing damage, have to 5. Holy shit, okay. All right. With that, the other ghouls frantically struggle to break through. Let me just make a few checks to see what happens. You watch as the ghoul on the opposite side of the one in the corridor struggles to force the other one out of the way, pushing it toward it. The one on the corridor below struggling to leap over the other one. And finally, as the one on the intersection sags, the ghoul to your right snarls in gleeful rage pulling it out of the way and vaulting into the center where it can access its own meal. That is the end of the ghoul's turns. Aerthrandir, you're up. Okay. Swearing at himself for not realizing that they can fucking hear him sooner, he's going to take Amity's words to heart and pull his longbow into his hands. And knocking an arrow, he aims past the ghoul in front of him to the one that Kiva's been wailing on, closes one eye, and lets it fly. All right, so this is shooting over the one in the center of the hallway? Yes. Or the wounded one? Yes. Gotcha. All right, uh, make an attack ranged. Uh, this one has half cover because of the ghoul standing in front of it. Okay, that's a 16. 16 certainly hits. Roll damage. Woo! 10 damage. 10 points of damage. All right. It swipes through the air and then slashes across the ghoul cutting right through its neck as it falls to the ground, blood falling to the earth and pooling in the soil below it. That ghoul is down. That's one. All right. And, hmm. Yeah, no, that's his turn. Although he does give a worried look at Kiva's state, but remembers his promise, and that's his turn. Gotcha. All right, thank you very much. Uh, and with that, Lillison, you are up. As you hear the satisfying squelch of the arrow through flesh, what are you going to do? Lillison is going to sigh irritatedly and say, Well done, but get behind me. And uh, once again, shoving out her hand, sending another acid splash towards the fresh ghoul that she can see now. Alrighty. Uh, it still has half cover, so that's still plus two. Uh, that's a 17. It ducks yeah. aside the bulk of the acid splash, splattering against the rear wall. All right. All right. Is that your turn? That's my turn. 
All right, Metreon, you are under the table. It is dark, it is claustrophobic, and you can hear the sound of splattering flesh and thudding bodies from the corridor to the south. What would you like to do? From where I'm at under the table, can I see this ghoul that's between Kiva and Erythidir? Very faintly, yes. Now that you're like underneath the table and peering out, just kind of faintly, your eyes glinting in the darkness of the chamber, you can faintly see that ghoul. Okay. Would that be half cover or three quarters cover? What would uh, cover from be? here, it's half cover. So yeah, from under the table, still hiding, he'll pull out his crossbow and just wildly take a shot. You have disadvantage because you are prone, but if you want to take a shot... Yeah, that's fine. That's a 16. That will hit. And that's four points of piercing damage, and I get my sneak attack, right? Does sneak attack rely on not having disadvantage on the roll? Oh, yes. Yeah, it does. Yes, 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 you're right. All right, I'm afraid that you do not, but it does deal four points of piercing damage as it slides across the ghoul's shoulder, slashing it there. Is that your yeah. turn? And I'm going to use my bonus action to hide again. All right, make another stealth check as you scurry back underneath the table. 22. Beautiful. All right, Amity, you watch as Metreon pops out, then scuttles back into his hidey hole. What would you like to do? All right, well, satisfied with his participation, at least, she's going to walk in front of the table and do much the same thing, taking a pot shot with the crossbow, trying to weave in between her allies. That is going to be a nine to hit, naively. All right. The nine does not connect, I'm afraid. It goes wide over the ghoul's head. Well, she's going to step back to the other side of the table and uh, keep a lookout. All right. Uh, with that, Kiva, your turn. As you begin your turn, the ghoul having now slashed the portcullis that has dissolved into an ethereal, illusory mist. You look down at, at your chest where the ghoul had slashed at you, and you can see a thick, yellowish-white fluid dripping from the wounds. They feel a bit cold. You don't feel any sort of strangeness, but as you look toward the ghoul's claws, they do seem to be dripping with that strange sort of viscous fluid, and you have a sort of tingling sensation where the wounds connect the air. Oh man, if she was not raging, she would think that was very horrifying, but she truly isn't thinking about anything else other than killing this motherfucker in front of her. So she is going to, now that she's freshly attacked again, she's going to reckless and swing at the ghoul in front of her. All right, go for it. So that is an 18. An 18 will certainly hit. All right, so that is six points of slashing damage. Very good. You carve slashing across it, dealing a moderate wound to the beast. I love that. Then she is going to just, you know, sort of menace a little bit, glaring and screaming, and her black blood is screaming down her face. So it's it's a nasty sight. All right. With that, the ghoul switches its eyes back and forth between the two of you as the ghouls will take their turn. Now, having cooled down for a moment and watching Erthrandir, it's going to pause for a moment. And then its eyes slide off of Yukiva and latch onto Erthrandir to your left. Snarling, spittle frying from its lips, it leaps through the air toward you, claws outstretched as it attempts to slash at Erthrandir's side. That's going to be a 10 to hit. Nope. All right, you nimbly duck aside the ghouls, snarling in frustration as the one behind it growls and tries to pull the other one out of the way and successfully does so. Leaping, vaulting with the other ones, it slams it to the ground, pulling it back and then sliding forward into its place, lashing through the air directly toward Kiva. But that is the end of its turn. Erthrandir, you are up. Okay, he's had enough of that. And he's also had enough of being right here. He is going to disengage and dart by Lillison, murmuring, hope you know what you're doing, before stepping back with the others. 
and he's going to step aside to give the others a path, and that'll be his turn. Lillison, you're up. Lillison will nod briefly at him as uh, she steps in to fill his place. A brief grin flits across her face as she pushes out both hands this time, and uh, it just so happens that Acid Splash can target two creatures, so the two that I can see from here. All right, they'll each make a dexterity saving throw. One of them does have half cover on this, but the one in front yes. of you does not. The first one succeeds, the second one fails. Okay, four acid damage. All right, you watch as one of them ducks this the wave of red bubbling liquid as the other one fails to move in time. A splash across its chest that begins bubbling and sizzling at the chest below. It stumbles, its eyes going white for a second as it shrieks in the dark corridors. It appears quite wounded. All right, that's my turn. All right, Metreon, you are back under the table. As you see Aerithrandir retreat and Lillison advance, what would you like to do? Do I still have eyes on the ghoul that Lillison's engaged with? You do, with half cover, I would say. Seeing that it worked the first time, he's going to go ahead and crawl out, aiming his hand crossbow, and he's going to go ahead and fire. All right, go for it. And this is at disadvantage, right? Or Correct. With a, or is it with Still, a... Uh, oh, it's prone, that's right. Prone is with disadvantage, yes. That's a 14. That happens to be exactly what you needed. Hey! So that's going to be six points of piercing damage. I'm aiming for like its leg or its calf or something like that. All right, it slices right across it and it snarls in rage and pain, doubling over for a second before turning its gaze toward you and then eyes locking on Lillis and obstructing its path. Is that your turn? Uh, bonus action HUD. All right, roll stealth. 19. 19, all right, you dive back under and scurry beneath the table. Amity, you're up. Stepping forward, Amity sees a very bloodied creature getting out the crossbow again. Ethan, dear, do you know what these things are? I, I do. I just need time to think. I might be able to help you. All right, that's a 16 to hit. Naively. Possibly there's some cover involved. 16 to hit. That will hit. Wonderful. That'll be seven piercing damage on the one right in front of Lillison. Yes. Something... Yeah, go for it. Uh, I It was seven piercing damage on Lillison. On the one in front right. of Lillison. Lillison herself. <laughs> and also, entirely yeah. my fault. So, uh, Metreon, my bad. I forgot that if you are hidden, you do have advantage on the roll. So technically, you had a neutral roll, no disadvantage or advantage. So if you wouldn't mind rolling that sneak attack damage. Yeah. So I can... Do I get to roll both sneak attack damages? Because uh, I hit on both? I forget which one you targeted the first time, so I apologize. That's my bad. But if you don't mind just rolling it for this one. Okay. Three. All right, three damage. Fortunately, it had two hit points. Hey! Woo! So as the crossbow bolt slices through its leg, it's veered off of balance just for a moment, losing its path, and Amity's crossbow bolt catches it right in the neck, and it topples backward, eyes open, before collapsing on the ground. All right, Amity, is that your turn? Are, th are there any more? Unfortunately. At least one uh, more. All right. Amity's going to back up into the corner. I guess the corner next to Ether and Deer and whisper... I can use another trick like the portcullis you did last time. Um, they they know. They they know they can. They're not gonna fall for it. I won't use the same picture. Oh. And that's my turn. All right, very good, Kiva. You see two left. As they draw themselves back up, they lock their gaze on you and look ready to rush forward down the corridor. What would you like to do? 
Oh, my love, she is going to go in and she's going to, again, reckless at this motherfucker right in front of her. Pardon my language. All right, go for it. That is a 20. A 20 will hit. All right, so that is seven points of slashing damage for the one directly in front of her. All right, your scimitar carves through the air, slashing across its body, almost cutting through to the esophagus of the neck. You see blood pouring from it, the ghoul staggering, and then some unholy animating force stops it from collapsing. Its eyes flicker, its nostrils flare, and it barely stays standing. You can tell it's almost ready to fall. She is, is that your just turn? going, yeah, she's just gonna stand there. All right, very good. With that, it is the ghoul's turn. It is going to attack you with its claws, uh, with advantage, I believe. Yes. That is a 22 to hit. Oh, uh, that hits. All right, that will deal nine points of slashing damage, halved and rounded down to four. Oh, I love that. I love heroism right now. <laughs> the other ghoul will attempt to pull the other one out of the way. Let's see if it succeeds. It very much does not. The one that is barely hanging on for deal life is also hanging on to its last meal. Erythrindir, you're up. Okay, key turns to Amity. Look, I, I can't change the image after it's made. I can just like make it move up and down if you really want, but I can't change what it looks like. Sorry. And then he is going to close his eyes and kind of cast his mind back, see if he can figure out what these things are. All right, you're attempting to make a knowledge check about them? Yep. All right, make an arcana check for me. 13. You find a nugget of memory, a flicker of information that you maybe half remember. These are ghouls, ravenous undead creatures that enjoy devouring the flesh of humanoids cannibalistically. You don't recall much more than that, however. I just know that they're, I mean, undead, obviously. They're called ghouls. If y'all know anything about those, then be my guest, but that's all I've got. Is making that knowledge check an action? Uh, it is not. Okay, splendid. In that case, he's going to brush past Amity, see if he can see any ghouls. He cannot. Kind of talk to you, Lelson. Hey, uh, where'd they go? Further down the corridor. Uh, keep a push ahead. All right. Be careful about the choke points. That's what's keeping us alive right now. And he's going to hang back for now. All right, very good. Uh, Lillison, as you watched Kiva leap forward, a crazed, enraged look in her eyes, the black acre bleeding forth from the scars, driving the ghouls back as she slashes like a mad woman. What would you like to do? Is it possible for me to squeeze around the corner uh, through Kiva's square to the square to the left of her without provoking? Uh, no, it is not. The beams and walls are in the way. In that case, uh, acid splash around the corner at the one that I can see. All right. That would be a 14 plus 2. Unfortunately, it's a 16, which I believe succeeds. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, with that, Metreon, you are up. The room is quiet, and you can hear the sound of combat slowly growing more distant. With only, I guess, Kiva and Lilithson in my view, I will hold my attack action in case one of the ghouls or any other kind of creature comes into this area, into my vision. Do I have to roll to hide again, or can I just stay hidden? Uh, you can just stay hidden if you're not doing anything. Okay, yeah. So I'm just going to hold my action. All right. Amity, you're up. All right. Shouting at Kiva. Brave as it may be for you to go on ahead, if you just come back into this room, then we can pelt them all if they come after you. Um, are they coming after you? 
Kiva is in the midst of her rage right now, she's not going to be able to respond to you in the way that you would like her to. <laughs> Got it. Well, Amity's going to step back and um, likewise ready in action to crossbow anyone who gets close, hoping that people don't, I guess, go off. It's going to be hard for her to participate if the combat gets too far away. All right. With that, Kiva, you're up again. It's just you and Lillison and you pushing forward, your rage pumping blood through your ears, the two ghouls before you. And as the rage empowers you, you almost feel like the one before you is cowering, like it's ripe to fall beneath your blade. Yeah, Kiva's going to Reckless again, and she is going to swing at the one in front of her. Go for it. That is a 23. A 23 will certainly hit. And that is nine points of slashing damage. It's a bit of overkill, but uh, she's quite happy with it. Excellent. As you cut through it, slicing down, you aim for the former cut that you made across its throat and sever the final strands of sinew and flesh that had kept it there. You hear the crunch of bone as the head goes flying through the air, smacking against the left side wall, the body collapsing to the ground. Is that your turn? Uh, she's going to move in and just square off with that last one. As you watch it, snarls, bile, black and yellow, bubbling up from its throat as it drools, its eyes wide and crazed. You can tell that there is not a shred of sanity left in this creature's brain as it lashes out toward you, its claws wildly flashing through the air. With advantage. Oh, yes. That is a 19 to hit. That hits. Dealing eight slashing damage, half to four. Love it. Thank you so much. All right. And with that, Erthrandir, you're up. He looks around, feeling a bit useless. He peeks out, realizes the way things are situated, he can just get through. So he's going to do that and pull his longbow to bear again and fire at the ghoul that Kiva's sparring with. All right, it will have half cover, but if you'd like to take aim and shoot. Uh, that is a 10. I am going to use my bardic inspiration on this. All right, roll it. That is a 16. All right, 16. You let loose for a moment, and it almost seems as though it's going to veer through the air. But then you hear a chiming note, a syllable of air and the arrow veers slightly off course and plants itself directly in the ghoul's left eye. Roll damage. Six. It howls, stumbling, enrages black blood and ichor runs down its face, fixing its gaze on you through Kiva as it scrabbles oh up and tears the arrow out of its now ruined, dripping eye. Lillison, you're up. You see the arrow fly through the air, Kiva pushing the ghoul back. It howls and scream in pain. What are you doing? Lillison lets out an exasperated sigh, but decides not to pursue it right now as she steps into place and aims an arc of acid over Kiva's head toward the ghoul. All right. That is unfortunately a 20, I'm afraid. Okay. Lillison just Dodges rolls her eyes, and then she is going to keep on going down the corridor. As you do, the chanting that you've heard grow louder now grows fainter as you move further away from the intersection. Metreon, you're up. Hey, Amity, are you under the table with me now, or...? I'm not under the table, I'm just okay. standing next to it. Uh, Amity, where's everybody going? I, I don't know. Let's let's follow them, but not get too close. Gosh, no! They're the one with the light. Ah, damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, so Metreon hearing that and realizing that, he is going to very hesitantly come out from under the table not seeing anybody except for well I guess he would see Ayrton and Kiva 
In fact, as you turn the corner, you hear a snarl, and Kiva is pushed back almost where the intersection. As the ghoul lashes toward her, she deflects it with a scimitar, and the interplay between them, Aerithrin Deer having his bow at the ready. You can very clearly see what's going on. Okay, yeah, with that, as Kiva kind of slams into me, I want to fire a crossbow bolt at the ghoul. Uh, I don't believe you can see it from your vantage point. If you'd like, you can move to a place where you can. There you go. And this is half cover again, or? Correct. Plus two to his AC. 15. That will hit. Give me some damage. So eight total. All right. Kiva throwing it just off balance enough for you to give a shot right to the other side of its chest, dealing the full eight damage. Very good. Is that your turn? And then I'm going to use my bonus action, seeing this horrible creature to disengage. All right. Amity, you're up. You see Metrigan duck down the corridor and speed back. (laughs) Uh, Amity peeks around the corridor, but it looks like she only sees Earthrendir. All right, well, she's going to step in between her comrades, feeling somewhat safe by the wall of brick flesh standing in front of her, (laughs) and fire a crossbow bolt at the final question mark, question mark, question mark, ghoul, trying to aim it, like, between Kiva's legs. It's a mere 10 to hit. All right, a 10 to hit. Uh, Unfortunately, it does not connect. Alas. We've got this, right? I think so. There, I don't see any more, but be careful. All right. And thank you. You, uh, you, you help me out. Thank. Just later, later. Kiva, you're up. All right. Kiva is going to once again just fucking rail into the sky recklessly. Go for it. That is a twenty. That will certainly hit. Oh, I love that. So that's five points of damage. Beautiful. Another five points carving across its flesh. Uh, with that, the ghoul will take its turn, attacking with advantage. That is a 17 to hit. Oh, that misses, thank god. Oh shit, nice. All right, it slides across and you bring up the shield that you took from the mantelpiece just in time, its claws raking and deflecting as they scrape across the polished metal. That is the end of its turn. Erethrendir, you're up. You can see that the ghoul appears to be struggling for breath, its movements sagging and slowing. He knocks another arrow and lets it fly. All right. 11. An 11 unfortunately flies wide as the ghoul stumbles, ducking below the arrow as it streaks through the air. All right. He kind of looks around and seeing that his companions have got this well in hand, decides to stay back for now. Very good. With that, Lillison, you are up. You've made your way downward away from the center of the combat to a quieter place where the corridor branches and then disappears around a corner. Okay, Lillison is going to go forward a little bit more, just peek around the corner and make sure that nothing else is coming their way. All right, glancing around the corner, you see what appears to be only an empty room. You can see a quiet chamber with a wooden table, though the details are difficult to make out in the darkness and dim light. It seems empty, though. Okay, satisfied, she's going to come back. And um, since she can't go any further with her current move, she's just going to nod at Amity and uh, say, we're doing well. We've got this. Metreon, you're up. Ooh, uh, okay. Yeah, Metreon is scared shitless by this creature and is going to hold his attack action in case something else comes into his view. But just as a free action, he sees Deer. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? The hell do you mean, the fuck? Right, it's me. It's it's just me. No, what the fuck is that that I'm shooting at? Oh, oh, it's a ghoul. A type of 
the living dead. They either get brought back by like sorcerers or by uh, evil magic, and it. it I, I'll give you a lesson later. Yeah, but Metreon is like rolling his eyes and pressing himself into the corner as much as he can. And that's all right. Turn. Is Metreon just taking the dodge action then? Uh, yes. All right, Amity, you're up. Amity, believing that people are basically on the right track, is just again going to try to shoot a crossbow over Kiva's shoulder, practicing the need to stand on tiptoes to do so. That is a 16 to hit. That will certainly hit and roll damage. Uh, that's five piercing damage, please. How would you like to do this? <laughs> Team Tiefling. I, I'm having to like stand on my tiptoes just to like shoot this thing over Kiva's shoulder. The arrow just like sinks right into its open maw as it's ready to bite, piercing through its head as it slumps to the ground. All right, the ghoul collapses, twitches for a final time. The black-yellow ichor slipping from the cuts and the gashes and wounds across its body and then slowly falls still, leaving you once more alone in the quiet, in the terrifying silence. Silence? Like we don't hear the chanting anymore? Well, the chanting is still present, but... Oh. I, I did it. We did it. Oh. Good job, there. You sure as fuck did. Yeah. Good, Real good, good job. Oh, fuck. So yeah. you were saying about ghouls, yeah? What? They're uh, awful. They're just the perversion of nature and life and... And I just, yeah, don't don't get close. They're, they're smart. They figured out that my stupid illusion wasn't real because I talked about it, so don't assume they're just ravenous creatures. There's some spark there. Oh god, this is a fucking death house. I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... Ah! <laughs> Yeah, no, it certainly does seem like a murder mansion. But... Kiva is... You can see the sort of gold scars refilling themselves, but for a moment, she is going to push past Amity, and it almost seems like she's still raging. She's going to grab Erythrindir by the shoulder, and all she's going to say is, can you do it again? I can, but it's my last spell. I... All respect to you, but... Whatever we're facing, I'd like to save it. I... I I'm sorry. It's not for me. What do you mean? Look, I... I know coming down here that this was going to be some sort of fucked up thing, but... Look, these things are taking the piss out of me, and we're not even through to where the supposed monster is. So, if anyone can hear me... It hurts what he does when he heals you, but take it. Someone's gonna need it down here. Thank you. He blushes a little and then thanks. I'm I'm still sorry about that. I although we had a theory. We think it's a effect that just happens to magic down here. Makes things weird and wrong. So uh Amity be careful about that. Right. I didn't I didn't notice anything weird about the, the heroism spell I cast. But did did you Kiva? DM those voices that she heard, does she recognize who they were? She does not. They were unfamiliar to her. Okay. Um 
Someone spoke to me, and they told me to be brave. I don't know who they were. It's weird that someone spoke to you, but I guess if they told you to be brave, that's good. Yeah, I agreed. Well, uh... Do, do these things have big toenails? These ghouls? She, can she look at the body and see something? What are you looking for exactly? Uh, Those big toenails. Looking over them, they do appear quite long, but not quite long and curled enough to make the holes that you've seen in the floor. It seems of a similar shape and size, but whatever left these carved gouge marks seem to have more pronounced features. Similar, but more exaggerated and sharp. Ugh. Well, do y'all want to take a minute to rest and recover, or would that be suicide down here? DM, would I be able to recover any of the bolts that I shot? You are. You can recover half of them. Okay, so I will... As everyone's talking, well, if we're going to be fighting bigger things like that, uh, might as well stock up. And he will wince as he puts his boot on one of the ghouls and just yanks out a crossbow bolt, and he'll go around collecting the crossbow bolts that he can. All right. Amity and Erthrandir can do the same if they would like. Yeah, yeah, noticing Metreon doing it, he follows suit. That's a good thinking, thanks. Lillison will speak up and say, If we need a moment to rest, there's a room down here that seems safe enough and doesn't have any other corridors leading into it. We can barricade the opening rather easily. I think that might be the move. I'm, uh, I'm not feeling great. As he says this, he kind of looks at the others and his eyes flick towards Kiva and then... She's like, yeah, yeah, just I'm, that specter wound's coming back to me. It's a, ugh, feels like someone's sucking my heart out of my chest. And not even in, like, the heartbreak way, like in just the, like someone's literally doing that. It's a bad time. Yeah, we just whoever's, whoever's furthest away from there. Just, let's, let's just go. All right, I'll yeah, go just... ahead and uh, test things out. Hey, uh, y'all want to help me grab this table? It'll probably be a pretty decent barricade. Wait, yeah, can we yeah. not just... Go back up and rest, you know, the place we we were earlier. I, uh... Actually, that's a point. Hmm. We don't know what's, what's, what's gone on since we've left, though. Like, or yeah. better yet, we come back down here and all these things are back up. Maybe there's even more of them. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I vote we stay down here. I, uh... I just, I, I want to keep moving. Let's, uh, barricade ourselves in. Alright, so which way are we going? Lillison, she found somewhere. And he's going to follow her. Tammy's gonna stay within the radius of the light. Yep. Coming around the corner, Lillison noticed that there's actually another entrance leading in slash out. She looks uncertain for a moment, and then just sort of edges closer to it to see what's going on here. Alright, so Lillison, as you enter this room, you can see that it contains a wooden table flanked by two high back chairs and holding a clay jug and two flagons. Above the table, you see suspended an unlit cast iron chandelier. Iron candlesticks stand in two corners of the chamber, their candles long since melted away to nothingness. You can see a short corridor where you now stand that appears to lead to a darkened chamber beyond, as well as another closed door in the opposite side of the room. Ah. Uh. This might not be as uh, much of a safe dead end as I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a uh, three entrances. That's... Alright, unfortunate. 
Well, we could go back to that delightful little picnic area with all of the bones, or we can go back to that place where something might crawl up from the well. What a variety of options. Don't you love it? I wonder if we um, take the table and barricade this door and, well, this doorway, and then, I don't know, I, I don't even know whether to open the other door. I mean, probably worth figuring out what's in here, or where this place leads. Okay. Summoning up a mage hand once again, she's going to very carefully test the door. Alright, this is the door in the uh, lower right corner of the map? Yes. Alright, you slowly move the mage hand toward the door, kind of testing the handle and looking to open it. You push against it faintly. And as you do, you notice a few things. First, in the light of the illumination from Erthrandir's lamp, you can see that the old wooden door itself is covered from top to bottom, but especially around the handle in ancient red stains. And at the base of the door, between the two wooden poles that keep the roof up on either side, you can see the half-eaten body of a small creature lying at the base. Would you like to uh, open the door? Or attempt to? Hmm. You say half-eaten? Does it look like gnawed on, or...? You can't tell from this distance. If you'd like, you can get closer. No. Uh, Lillison is going to be like, actually, let's not stay here. Uh, why not? Uh, take a look at the door and let me know if you see what I see, but don't get too close. Alright, alright, okay, uh, he steps away so the others can get in. Alright, so you got a door, red, and, uh, oh. 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 That's, uh, that's recent. Otherwise it would have decayed down to bones like everything else. Before you do anything potentially deadly, can I get the light for a moment so I can go back and get Truffle from under the table? Oh, oh, yes. goodness, yeah, yeah, and he'll hand her the lantern. Amity's just going to go back, stepping very cautiously, though she believes that these corridors are safe for the moment, to fetch Truffle from under the table where Metreon was hiding, and bring him back to the group. I see Metreon right, is accompanying Truffle her. Pokes his little head out. <laughs> Truffle pokes his little head out, snuffling happily from the darkness beneath the bench and then leaps gratefully into your arms, snuggling into your chest as you pull him back with you. I right. don't think we should stay here anymore. Alright, your instincts are probably good. I guess we keep moving forward, see if we can find somewhere that we can actually barricade. Why don't we yes. just go back to one of the other rooms with just like two doors or something? Just less entrances the better. That's sensible, actually. Alright, yeah. Let's grab the table in here so we can barricade both of them. Yeah, you got a good point. And yeah, Metran's gonna go back towards the picnic bench, and he's gonna start to like shuffle it around, waiting for someone to help him. Yeah, Erythrindir will do his best to drag this table in here down the corridor, although it is slow progress. Kiva seeing helping. him struggle will help too as well. Thank you very much. And yeah, we drag it back. All right, you pulled the small wooden table back in the hallway, working together to drag it with you and rejoin the others in the bone-scattered hall, where you see Metreon handling the large wooden table and benches. All right. 
Y'all think here or farther up? Well, Truth I was... be told, I don't know if I can walk anymore, so this seems like a fine place to rest for me. Matreon? I mean, there's, there's, there's three ways to get in, and one of those ways, we already had to fight these fucking ghouls. So maybe we just head back to the, the room with the table, the, the one with the four chairs. That'll work. And uh, Kiva, we can support you if need be. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do our best. Okay, so um, back to the first room. I think so. All right, she's gonna stand with effort and continue to help with the table. All right, are you bringing both tables now? Just like you know, yes. doing a Home Depot kind of trip. Yes, we are doing a Home Depot kind of trip. If you're, you're struggling, struggling to, if, if you're struggling to walk, don't help carry the table. I've got it. Okay. You watch as like a little spurt of blood spurts out of Kiva's left side as she like kind of holds the weight of the table with her. Ah, y'all are some very impressive people. And with that, he just heads back to the old room. Kiva gives a little wink at Amity, like much more cheerful than it should be. <laughs> All right, and with that, the five of you bring the tables with you, returning down the corridor toward the stairs and then passing by the stairwell that leads back up to the house as you move once more into the quiet, thankfully isolated corridors. And I'd say too. small chamber where the moldy straw pallets and the wooden table lie in wait. I'd say too that Metreon, as soon as he gets in and we drop off the table, he's gonna actually going to take the table that was already in this room, flip it over, and push it against the entrance and then start stacking chairs on top of it. All right. I'd say with all of the items put together, you're able to put together a pretty uh, formidable barricade on both entrances. Although it does take you a good 10-15 minutes to kind of haul the larger table all the way here, as none of you, I believe, are particularly strong. Nope. Nah. Wow, you... Huh, you're a dab hand with this. Takes art to get a good barricade together. Most people just start stacking things. And then get surprised when they get crushed to death. Yeah, um... Yeah, we should probably just chill for now. Just... And uh, Metron's going to just kind of slump down, not sitting or resting on one of the straw mattresses, but just kind of hanging out outside of the doorway to one of these little rooms. I, I think it's time we address something, which is that Metron and Lillison, as far as I know, both of you have a ghost inside you or something, but you, you seem to still be you. So, like, what is that, actually? I don't fucking know, love. I'm just more scared than I've ever been in my life. <laughs> And he just starts to break down and cry again. So am I. But yeah, like, but I think, like, he's different. I don't fucking cry. <laughs> Something's wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could help you. I, I'd i like to get that spirit out of you, but I don't really know how. My dad always said I should be a cleric. Matreon. Nothing... What? Is wrong with you. This is not your fault. Metreon's careful to not look at anybody at this point, and he's just kind of looking, like his eyes are darting from the barricades to the different entrances into the rooms, and uh, his tail is very anxiously twitching behind him. Kiva sort of immediately, as soon as she has a safe corner to lean on, like collapsed and is attempting very poorly to rip her traveler's clothes into like tourniquets to stop the various bleeding around her body. Oh, we should have taken some of those sheets from upstairs. Yeah, I we could have used those. Though, uh, I think we might have some that'll help. And he kind of gives Amity a meaningful look. Can you, uh, 
Do you sing? A little bit, yeah. They say that music, or especially music enjoyed together, will help even the nastiest of wounds. I've never tried it, but uh, you want to give it a shot? Try our first impromptu duet or some shit? I don't know. <laughs> All right. As, as long as we're quiet enough to not yeah, echo around the whole place. Yeah, yeah. You got anything in mind? Um, I don't have a particular song in mind. We could just improvise. Or do you have something? I, uh, I'm down with improvising. It's gonna be awful, but it'll be fun. We could use some fun. Are we doing this by actually singing into our respective microphones? No, you don't no, know. No. But if you just want to tell me uh, briefly what instrumentation you're using, or if you're only using your voices, and what the words of the song become about. Well, are either of us carrying an instrument? Because Erythrindir is not. I'm not carrying an instrument either. Improvisation-wise, I was playing to sort of start going into a story about some, like, brave quester. That works. And Erythrindir will do his best to hum along and insert where appropriate. One of those epic ballads or some shit. He'll let Amity take care of the words and just bring as much music as he can. He doesn't sing exactly, it's mostly just humming. Alright, and together with the striking the intonation and Erythrindir's background melody mixing with Amity's words as she spins a tale and for a moment you realize there's a reason why she's able to tell her stories in a bigger city. And you can tell for a moment that there's a spark of passion, a flame, burning as she shares the tale that she spins, weaving a narrative so rich with detail and beautiful with sound that you can almost picture it. You can almost see the brave hero standing atop the mountaintop, peering down at the valley below, making her way down after many years of fighting, longing for a time, a period of rest, to sit beneath an old oak tree once more and have returned to a life of peace. You can feel a warmth returning to your aching bones, the wounds that you have gained, growing cooler, the burning pain that has stabbed through them fading slowly. As the song continues, painting a picture of rich glories and victories won, of enemies conquered and beasts slayed, and together with Erythrindir's rich melody mixing with the tale that Amity shares. I believe you have a song of rest that you might add to your short rest. Yeah, that'll be 2d6, as long as you're spending at least one hit die. Is that just from you? No, that's from both of us. Does it song doesn't of rest stack? stack. It doesn't? I thought abilities with the same name didn't stack. I don't believe that they do. God damn it. Party comp. Ah, regret. So sorry. Right, uh, so but yes, just... if uh, one of you would like to roll that d6. We'll do it. While everyone else rolls their hit dice, as your short rest passes otherwise uneventfully. Okay, an extra three. And you only get that if you spend at least one hit dice. So as the time passes and as you roll your hit dice to regain uh, some of your health during your short rest, is there any light activity or conversation that anyone is partaking in? Metron's pretty silent for most of the rest, but at some point he'll chime in. He'll like find like a little pebble and throw it just very gently towards Kiva. Do you need something? Uh, you said it was Crips, right? Yes. Uh, who was on them again? Uh, Rose and Thorn 
and uh, their parents, Gustav and Elizabeth. There were no bodies or nothing? Uh, the bodies of the children were upstairs, so well, I can't imagine they'd be in the tombs, but I yeah, think, yeah. I would hope Gustav and Elizabeth are there. But Lil said she heard shuffling and you said you found footprints, right? It could be more of those ghouls or it could be one of them or maybe one of those cult people. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It certainly wasn't me though. I mean, I don't mean to bring the mood down, but what if, what if they're the ones with the big, bigger claws, bigger, bigger toenails? Uh, at this point, that would not surprise me in the slightest. Were all of the tombs closed? As far as I saw, yes. The stones looked pretty heavy, and I'm, you know, fairly strong, but I don't think I could move them easily. Tian, do I remember hearing that grinding stone noise once or twice? You heard it once. It was a slam, as if something being slammed into place. Okay. All right, is there anything more you'd like to discuss or do during your short rest? At a certain point, Erthrandir lets Amity take the music, and he's going to sort of step back to one of the alcoves, give everyone a nod, and kind of put his back to it. He sits down, kind of closes his eyes, and begins to sob. He's trying to do it quietly, but he's failing at it miserably. Realizing he'd given his handkerchief to Metreon, he just muffles in his hands, probably for about the next ten minutes. That is all he is doing. And he rode far. Amity sees that Ethrandir is sobbing, and in an effort to sort of cheer the group up, is going to be like, hey, hey, we, we all just got in an, an actual real fight. Like, I know we were there to protect each other from bandits, but like, this is way more. I, I think we all deserve at least a snack. And she's going to pass out a dried apricot and some cheese from the pantry. He looks up and takes it. When we get out of here, I'm going to cook everyone something really delicious, all right? When we're, when we're out of the walls and, and going back through those forests. I could kill for some deer stew right now. Or, like, some baked. We probably can't do that, but I'd love that, Amity. Have you all ever had potatoes baked in in ashes before? That no, huh? Wouldn't that like just make the flavor all ashy? That's what I thought, but apparently you don't eat the skins. I, I I've never done it myself. I just hear about it as something that people traveling and making campfires do. That that would be fun. I'll be honest, I've never actually had a potato. I, uh, I've heard stories, but uh, they're not very common in my neck of the woods. What? Wait, I thought you would, like, explode all around and stuff. Like, you said you'd taken a cloud kill to the face, which, I mean, I assume that's something super dangerous and rare. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I have lived in two places in my life. Way out east and in smack dab in the middle of the woods. Not exactly root vegetable country. But yeah, Noah, that bit wasn't from adventuring and having a great time, unfortunately. They don't have potatoes out east. I 
Not where I lived. We were kind of more of a seafood and rice sort of place. I used to grow them in my garden back home. That? Oh, you had a garden. That's wonderful. There was something to pass the time. Yeah. Look, not that I don't love this camaraderie and a moment where we're not all at each other's throats, but we do need to decide what we're doing to go forward and get out of this place. And I think waiting around just sitting here is, is not the most helpful solution. Well, I know it's done one thing. You're bleeding a lot less. Uh, and he gives her just the biggest shit-eating grin. Kiva, like, tries to smile, but it's also this, like, weird wince because she's still, like, a little uncomfortable. Understandable. Well, if you want to spend your other hit dice right now, then you could also take a d6 bonus on that one by taking two consecutive short rests. Just saying. Oh, really? Yeah. How many short rests do we get between long rests? Two. Uh, they are two. I'm not sure if there is a limit. I'll defer to you on that. I believe that we'll go with two for now, but I'll double check. Oh, yeah, then I'm definitely going to do that. I also didn't realize there was a limit. Is oh, the no, D6 there's not. I'm, does... I'm an idiot. Is the D6 roll the same then? Like if we, it was a three before, it's a three again? Uh, no, it would be a new roll. This is just a fact where Song of Rest lets you get an extra d6 every time you take a short rest. Here, I'll give you the d6 this time. Three more. All right. Yeah, Kiva feels much better. <laughs> All right, so you're taking the full two hours then? Yeah, yep. she's going to take the full. All right. Your second short rest passes quietly and uneventfully as the first, though the sense of being watched, the prickling sense of not being alone never quite leaves the back of your shoulders. But as far as well, you can tell, the barricades remain undisturbed and unperturbed by any outside forces or intrusions. If we wish to take this time to strategize, how many unexplored paths do we have so far? Well, we have the area to the right of this tunnel, so where we came in, there was another tunnel going off that we didn't look at yet. Um, we can try there if we're all satisfied with what we've seen in this area. Or we can go explore the place where the chanting was coming from. If I were a bedding man, and I'm really not, I'd guess that whatever monster is at the heart of this place is probably where the chanting is. That's kind of magician's M.O. They like to see the creature that they're pulling into the world, the ungodly abomination, before it falls upon their enemies. It's kind of a thing. Whatever, whatever we're looking for, uh, I, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that someone put a trap in front of it so that people like us don't find it. I think this whole house qualifies, if I'm being frank. No shit. Yeah, no, that's fair. But that's a good point. We'll need to be careful. If this was some sort of cult large enough to require all of these little sleeping nooks and and cots and things like that, then it must have been a trap that was either circumventable or not deadly enough to kill their own people. Yeah. Means we can get around it if we're thorough. Kiva, was it a big jump? Like, was it a, a wide area? Uh, the pit that I fell into? Uh, it was not that wide. I mean, long enough that I think we could jump it, but 
Uh, DM, and you can tell me to fuck off if this is meta-knowledge. Would she have connected that that loop around by the ghouls was connected to the hallway that she was in? Given that she'd seen where things were arranged, uh, logically speaking, it would make enough sense that at least that the, the bloodstained door appears to lead in the same direction as the hallway that the ghouls were in. They might connect, they might not, you're not sure. You didn't get close enough to see. If I remember correctly, and I could be wrong about this, if we go back down the hallway with ghouls, there's a loop that sort of circumvents the trap like Lillison was saying. I think, I, I could be wrong, I'm, I'm happy to go check and make sure. If we can do that and make our way to where the chanting's coming from, that'd work a treat. Well, better we die on our feet than on our asses, right? Yeah. All right. Um, I'm happy to lead again, if that's all right with everyone. Works for me. Be careful. And, uh, check the floor in front of you. Oh yeah, this time I'll make sure to do that. Kiva's then going to spend some time sort of unblocking that barricade that was right in front of the staircase, and then we'll make her way out of that hallway once it's clear. All right, it takes a bit of time, and as you do so, and through all the time that you've spent down here, you've still heard the chanting, unintelligible, echoing through the halls from everywhere and nowhere throughout these dark earthen corridors. It's hard to feel as though it's not getting to you, worming its way into your brain until you hear it so incessantly that it's difficult to tell where your mind's comprehension of it ends and the actual air begins. But closing your eyes and doing your best to focus on the task at hand, you eventually manage to disassemble the barricade, casting the table and chairs aside and rendering the corridor ahead clear once more. Alright, so she's going to, knowing that this corridor itself is safe, she's gonna sort of hustle down back to where the intersection was with the ghouls, if that's okay with everyone. Well, the same will go. I was gonna say right behind her, but ten feet behind her. Alright, and Amity and Metreon? Metron will get up and get beside Amity and follow her. Kiva making her way through the halls, the darkened corridors, re-emerging into the bone-littered dining area. You slowly make your way through, the bones crunching beneath your boots, and soon enough make your way back once more into the intersection where the ghouls lurked. You can see now the deep cavities and pits in the ground, not risky enough to fall into, but places where the ghouls had buried themselves beneath the soil and where they had sprung forth. You carefully avoid them as you turn in the opposite direction, the stairs leading downward once more. Is the chanting getting louder as she's going down the steps again like it was before? The chanting, as you hear out for it, yes, it is in fact growing louder, more clearly noticeable, though you cannot still quite make out the words. Alright, she's going to turn back to the others and sort of nod as if to say, this is it and she will turn and begin the descent. You begin making your way down, the others following you as you leave this level behind, and as you descend further down the stairs into the dark eyes and lurks below, you hear the chanting slowly growing louder as the shadows reach up to enshroud you, welcoming you as you descend. You descend further down, following the steps as they move descending toward a stone landing and around a bend you can see that the stairs continue forward out of sight yeah Kiva will keep going as at least as far as she can feel where steps are all right as you move toward the landing and then around the steps 
to the space below, if you'd like to move yourself there. The stone dusty steps here descend past the landing and around the bend until they end at a cold, large rectangular chamber. From here, you cannot make out the details, but as you make your way down the steps, looking at more of what it has to offer, it opens up before you. Would you like to step inside? Um, looking down at the floor, she sort of like takes a step. Does it seem like there's another trapdoor or something like right below the step or something that she can see? Make a perception check for me, normally, because Aetherndeer does have the light. That's a five. All right, you peer downward, inspecting it for any indication. There doesn't seem to be any trap there that you can see. All right, she's going to trust herself, and she's going to step down just that first step into the room below. You step down into the next chamber, and from here you can see a thin, wafting mist clinging to the ground, the wooden crossbeams that support the ceiling above you groaning beneath the weight of the house and underground complex above. You can see that the walls of this room are cut with small, chiseled alcoves, each one appearing to hold a small, strange trinket or relic. A corridor with a sagging ceiling exits the chamber and bends out of sight to the right close to you. Past it, further down the chamber, still on your right side, you can see a stone slope that descends into black, murky water. The ghostly chant you've heard since entering the basement is strongest here, in this room. And as you realize that, you suddenly understand what they're saying. You can finally understand the words. They're saying over and over again, in a ceaseless refrain. He is the ancient. He is the land. Oh my god. That chanting is so unsettling. <laughs> do we all hear this now? You all do, as you descend the stairs to the landing where Aethrandir now stands. Who the fuck is he? I Apparently, he's the Ancient and the Land. What the fuck does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's nonsense. Alright, Kiva's I... going to step into the room to allow them all to come in as well. What? What's all this stuff around us? Whatever it is, alcoves? it has big toenails. The alcoves, as you inspect them, appear to contain a number of strange and ghastly trinkets. The one that you're standing next to now appears to be a knife carved from a white stained material. And as you looked at it, it bears very similar features to human bone. He looks at it and just looks horrified. Kivo, the one you're next to Hi. appears to be a small wooden coffer, but you cannot see what's inside. She turns her back on it immediately and doesn't look at it. Yeah, whoever posited the cannibal theory earlier, think you're on the money. I hate this place. Are these like fucking trophies or something? I I don't know, like that or trinkets or like a museum. I I'm I'm gonna leave them be. Tempting as it is, I uh, don't think I want to know what sort of stuff they have here. I mean, unless any of us about is about to crawl out and bite us, I wouldn't be surprised with this place. Oh, so we've got two uh, two exits, or two paths. Beside uh, the way out. that we came from. Yeah, um, I'll check out one if Lillison. Maybe you want to check out the other. Yes. All right, Lillison, you find yourself looking down the dark stone slope, plunging into soon vanishing beneath a stirring surface of black, murky water 
soft ripples spreading across the current. The ghostly chant seems almost stronger here, and it appears to be emanating from the other side of a rusted, closed portcullis that itself is a quarter submerged in the dark, murky water. Kiva, as you glance forward, seeing the corridor before you, you can see the ceiling overhead sagging as the wooden crossbeams struggle to hold it up. Would you like to continue down the corridor? How sagging is the wall ahead of her? Like, is it? does it look like it's safe to walk underneath, or is it going to sort of raise her alarm bells? <laughs> it looks safe enough. It doesn't seem as though it's ready to crumble or collapse. It just seems weighted under many years of age. But it seems, at first glance, just to seem as secure as one could hope. Does the chanting seem louder from down the hallway that she's looking at? It does not. Well, I don't don't know that there's anything of note down here. The chanting seems to not be as loud down here. And I think we want to go towards the chanting, yes? I mean, want is a strong word, but... (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I want to get the fuck out of here, but I don't really want to go through what there is to get out, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, no, that, you're, you're coming through perfectly. Wilson, what'd you find? I think you should all come take a look at this. What, what is it? There's a, well, there's a gate, but there's a big, some surrounded by water. I can't make out much more in the dark. He raises the lantern. Yeah, that, uh, I have no idea what that is, but it's coming from in here. Kiva will follow Erthrandir down. He's going to rattle the portcullis a bit. It rattles, refuses to budge. Crap. Anyone see a winch? Not that I can see, but maybe we can try to force it? As you peer through uh, Erthrandir, you can see faintly illuminated by the flickering light of your lantern what appears to be a wooden wheel half embedded in the wall to your left-hand side. You can just faintly see it through the bars of the portcullis before you. Ah! I... Why would you put that on the inside and not the outside unless you... Oh. To keep people out. Duh. Yeah, that is how gates work. Lillison. Do you think... You think there's any way that that fancy skeleton hand of yours could winch that thing from the other side? I can try. This does bring up a question, though. If the idea is that whoever operates this comes down here, lowers the portcullis from the inside, and then presumably brings it back up when they leave, and this is down, then the last person who came through is still in there somewhere. Maybe there's another way out on the other side. Could be. Like a secret passage or something. Uh, Wilson will come forward and see if she can see where the wooden thingy is. You're able to uh, gain sight of it easily enough when you move down, and as you do, the water sloshes around your calves, pulling up and staining and welling into your boots. But you can (sighs) gain sight of the wheel. Okay. Gonna cast Mage Hand and send it through the bars and try to tug on the wheel. All right, the wheel is old and stuck somewhat in place, but after a good few yanks of the mage hand, you're able to send it creaking a few inches forward. Encouraged by that sign of progress, you push it again and again and begin doing your best to rotate it around in a direction that seems to make sense. And as you do, you hear the portcullis begin to groan and to creak as slowly the mechanism of levers and pulleys begin to hold it aloft. I... uh... And with that, 
slowly twisting and pulling the wheel. And then as it gets perhaps... How many pounds of weight can Mage Hand hold? Ten. Ten. As you manage to pull it just enough, you hear the chains begin to clink at the mechanism and the porcos rise perhaps a quarter of a foot. And then it halts in place, shuddering as the rest of the chains connects and the Mage Hand finds itself struggling to pull it any further. Okay. Uh, Lilison is going to grab onto the portcullis, wincing a little bit as uh, presumably it's like slimy from being in the water, and haul upwards as far as she can. Alright, make a strength check, or athletics check for me, please. That is a 15. Grunt and keep doing your best to pull it up, suction around the water, grasping around it like tiny liquid hands. You lose your balance for a second and almost slip, and then catch yourself. But it doesn't seem to budge. Can Kiva, seeing her struggle, also help to try to get it up? Yes, Kiva, you may try with advantage if you'd like to do it together. Yeah, let's try it. So it's strength. That is a 14 for her. 14. Unfortunately, you'd struggle and try to move it, and it budges a quarter inch. You feel as though if you stuck at it for long enough, you could probably move it up, but it's going to be a long and difficult battle to push it. Can we try to pull that wheel more, or is it sort of stuck? It's rather stuck. There's rust or something blocking it. How high up is the bottom of the portcullis? So the portcullis uh, appears to be no more than perhaps, at this point, maybe ten inches or so off of the ground. Maybe a little bit less. Anybody care to take a little swim? Do you think we you can get It doesn't seem that? likely that you would fit underneath it, unfortunately. Lillison says it anyway. Um, ah, I'll Kiva's, pass. Kiva's going to let go of the porticulus itself and try to, again, yank the actual, like, mechanism to turn it, if that makes sense. So the mechanism can't be reached from this side of it. And as you kind of look into the chamber, you can actually see more of the details that lie beyond. You can see the water continues, half submerging the bulk of the floor and the room beyond, darkened, but glinting faintly with the light that emerges from Erythrindir's lantern. In the grays of your dark vision, you can just faintly make out a raised stone dais and a thick cloud of rolling mist that unfurls from the top of the altar and spills downward before vanishing at the water's edge. Doesn't that look like the mist that's outside? A little bit, yes. Of course it is. Well, I guess that's a good sign. They uh, trapped us in here. I... I know that I'm not the strongest person here. Maybe if somebody else tries to raise this? Otherwise, there might be a secret door somewhere. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's just take the time. If need be, we can all work on it together, or force it up, and then grab one of those tables and wedge it in place. I'm pretty strong, and if the mechanism's broken or something, we can see if we can get more oil and lube it. Not a bad uh, idea. What was the other way? It's, uh, I'm not exactly sure I didn't look down there. The ceiling is sort of sagging a little bit, and with my bad luck before, I didn't really want to see how long I had before I was trapped underneath it. I'll give it a check. Uh, someone mind watching my back? I will. Thanks. And he's going to step into the hallway. All right. Gingerly making his way forward. Erthrandir, you proceed forward into the dark, sagging corridor, and as you do, the sound of clinking chains melds with a near imperceptible rustling. You continue forward, rounding the bend into a long, darkened dungeon. 
You can see here rusted shackles hanging patiently from the walls, as if just waiting to bite into a prisoner's flesh once more. It continues long down a darkened hallway, several more alcoves, waiting quietly in the darkness. From the other end, you can hear a chain quietly rattling. These fuckers. They, they weren't just some like, oh, we're, they, this was a, those bastards. Uh, y'all, it's a dungeon in here. It's their prison. It's where they kept their slaves or sacrifices. My money's on sacrifices. Well, there, you can never rule out. Are there, any, uh, 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 are there any bodies down there? I don't know yet. I'm still checking, but, uh, if I scream, be ready. He's going to gingerly step forward, investigating each cell. All right, you slowly make your way through, investigating each cell in turn, the lantern-like glinting as you peer into the darkened alcoves, the manacles glinting faintly. As you peer into each one, to the central larger alcoves, where it splits into an intersection into four smaller places on either side. On the right-hand side, toward the end of the alcove, you can see what appears to be a human skeleton pressed up against the wall, clad in a tattered black robe, hanging from the back wall, its skeletal arms manacled, sagging to the ground. Poor sod. He didn't deserve this. Uh, there's a skeleton in a robe in here, which implies, uh, clergy, wizardry, bath time. I'm, I really don't know, but... Do you see a door? No, not yet. Sorry, sorry. Distracted. He's gonna keep moving on. Alright, were you inspecting the skeleton closely, or just glimpsing it and moving on? Uh, I think he would like to take a look at the robe. He, he's curious. Alright, the robe itself just seems to be a tattered black robe of little notable worth, but you do find what appears to be a gold ring on one of its bony fingers. He looks at it, weighs his options, and then puts it back. Let the dead have what they belong. He's going to keep searching. All right. Now, are you taking your time to actually search for something hidden, or are you I, making your way ta- around? He's taking his time to search at the moment. All right. Is Lillison assisting with this? Uh, Lillison is mostly just keeping an eye out for anything that starts like moving or anything that looks like it might be a trap. That is appreciated. Uh, if both of you could make separate perception checks, then, or Erthrandir, you can make a. I would say your choice of perception or investigation. Good shit. That's a 9 from my perception. That's a 19 for investigation. Lillison, you don't find anything of immediate note. Thankfully, the place seems to be dry and dark and dusty and bereft of any other inhabitants. But Erthrandir, as you search the wall in the central intersection once more, in the space toward the uh, portcullis side, you find seams in the ancient wall where the stone and packed earth seems to split, almost as though there's a place to pull it outward somehow. And as you investigate it thoroughly, you find a mechanism such that part of the stone actually curls away out of sight, almost a sort of handle, and as you pull it, you hear the dirt sift and the stone grind up against other stone, and you see the outline of a secret door become visible as it pulls a half inch open. Why would you put a door? Why would... Oh, easy access to the sacrifice. Lillison, remind me when we get out of here... Metreon suggested upstairs that the best thing to do to this place would be to burn it to the ground. Remind me to buy some lamp oil. 
I don't think this place will burn very well. Doesn't mean we can't try. And with that, he yells, Hey, y'all, there's a secret door over here. You can leave the portcullis around. Well, that's comforting. Ain't it? Aren't we just with such a lovely batch of company in our little murder dungeon? Yeah, he's going to wait for the others to form up and then open the door. All right. The others arrive behind you, filling the halls of the dungeon, and once they're all in place, Ethrinder, you pull open the secret door, a hiss of cool, moist, stagnant air hitting you as it opens once more into the dungeon. It appears to move out forward onto a stony, raised surface. Do you step forward to see the room beyond? Uh, yeah. All right, you take a step forward, and as soon as you move forward, peering into the large room beyond, the chanting stops. What'd you do? Instead, your step echoes across the dark walls and then muffles in the rippling of the water below, the smooth masonry walls providing excellent acoustics. Featureless stone pillars support the ceiling, and a breach in the west wall leads to a dark cave heaped with refuse. Murky water covers most of the floor, and stairs lead up to dry stone ledges that hug the walls. In the middle of the room, more stairs rise to form an octagonal dais that also rises above the water. The rusty chains with shackles dangle from the ceiling directly above a stone altar mounted on the dais. The altar is carved with hideous depictions of grasping ghouls, and in the flickering light of your lantern is clearly stained with dry blood. Without the chanting, the air is now deathly silent. Be ready for anything. Yeah. And Metrion, I didn't do anything. I just stepped in here and it stopped. Metrion has the largest lump in his throat and is gripping his crossbow to the point where he feels like his hand might start to bleed. Then whosoever was chanting is hiding somewhere. They might be under the water. Erethrindir is going to pull an arrow from his quiver and drop it into the water, trying to see how deep it is. It drops into the water and then slowly sinks out of sight. The murky water is too dark to see the bottom. Is the distance from this little, like, sidewalk that we're on to the actual platform, like, jumpable? Or is it something that we'd have to get into the water and... Depends. What's your strength score? My strength is a 13. A 13? For you, I believe it would be. Okay, so she's going... You've got a running start first. Yeah. Kiva is going to, like, strap the scimitar back in its little sheath um, and put the shield on her back, and then she's going to attempt to run and jump and get across there. All right. You push Amity and Metreon out of the way, moving back into the dungeon, into the darkness beyond where Erethrinder's light shines, and then lowering your head, you leap forward, dashing through the corridor and leaping from the edge for landing on the penultimate stair of the altar beyond. You stumble for a moment, almost losing your balance in the slippery surface of the stone and wetness below, but stabilize, breathing heavily, and find yourself standing in place. Okay, she's very cautiously going to look at the others and say, let's everyone spread out and see what we can find. Yeah. You'll forgive me if I don't try and make a jump like that, though. Setting Truffle down in the upper left corner, Amity is going to very cautiously try to skip through the water as fast as possible, and then on the opposite stairs, see if the mechanism is turnable from the inside. All right, you skip across, you slip for a moment in the bottom step and find yourself plunging down into the water. Thankfully, though, it's not overly deep. 
perhaps two feet at its highest point. And as you move through it, moving toward the wooden wheel, you feel something drifting through the water brush against your leg and then settling. You okay? There's, there's something in the water. I, then get out of it. I am. I, sorry. Did, what did it feel like? Like, like a fish brushing against me. I'm not hurt. Okay, good. Just a... Let's all be careful about that, I guess. How big a fish? Is the water murky, or can I get a look through it? It is entirely dark. Your eyes and vision cannot pierce the surface. I, I can't see. But the, the water's only like two feet deep, so it can't be that big. Yeah. No, that's sensible. You could... Nothing too huge could live in here. How would a fish even get down here? Better not ask these questions. It might not even be a fish. Matrion, do you mind moving out of the way? Uh, yeah. If a fish got down here, then this might all be connected to some kind of underground aquifer. You might, you might be able to swim out. That's a point. Kiva, uh, what do you see up there? She's going to take a step up onto the altar and see if she can't look at whatever this, like, rectangular thingy on the map is. Alright, you step forward and you see the altar carved with the grasping ghouls and bloodstains that have littered its surface. And as soon as you do, the chanting rises once more. Arthrandir, Lilith, and Amity, you watch suddenly around you, appearing mere feet, and in Amity's case, mere inches away, thirteen dark black apparitions appear in the ledges overlooking the room. Each one resembles a black-robed figure holding a torch, but the torch's fire is black and seems to draw light into it, swallowing it up where you'd expect to see faces are voids. One must die, they chant over and over again. One must die. One must die. And that is where we'll end it for today. Ah! Why would you end it here? Ah! Why do you do this to us? Because uh, I hate you. Oh my uh, god, this no, is JK, fucking I love you guys. crazy. Well, well, to quote Andrew WK, you better get ready to die. Hey, now we have like a week to strategize. Hey. We don't know what's in there, though. Exactly. <laughs> about what? About who's going to die? Why would we listen to these people? Why, indeed. Someone's already self voted to be uh, the victim here. Yeah, I really shouldn't have like put her right there. Oops. <laughs> you put it right there. Yeah, you, 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 just, you flaunted it, really. Yeah. Oh, Damn. Oh, All right. <laughs> well, that was a fun place to end. And we will see it hopefully resolved with minimal threat of TPK or character death next week. Otherwise, thank you to everyone for joining us today. We appreciate and love you all very much. And we will see you all back in the mists next Saturday. Until then, beware of the things that lurk in dark places and take care.